Jesus continues to teach us this morning from the Sermon on the Mount. We have uh, gone through all of the fifth chapter of the sermon, and now we're looking to chapter six. And in so doing, uh, Jesus is kind of changing directions a bit. He's been helping expound for us the Old Testament law in ways that help us to realize it doesn't just apply to our heads or our actions, but it also applies to our hearts and how to live out a life of faith and obedience from the heart. But now he turns his attention uh, to what you might call the, the holy habits of the faith. He turns his attention more to uh, practices of righteousness. And so we're going to be looking closely at those for the next week or two. And so if you have your Bibles, we'll be looking at Matthew's sixth chapter. And I'll be starting with the first five verses. And uh, let's see what Jesus has to teach us today. Jesus says this, Be careful. Do not practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So, when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, he will reward you. And when you pray... Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. And then we're going to zip on down to verse 16. And when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you're fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. This is the word of God for you and me, God's people. Thanks be to God. You pray with me. Come, Holy Spirit, bless us as we gather today in worship and around your table, Lord Jesus. Help us be faithful to do the right things for the right reason. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the hymns that, that kind of go along with this message today uh, that I think is a good reminder is that hymn of the faith take time to be holy take time to be holy and that's what jesus is encouraging us with today he encourages us practice the right things for the right reason take time to be holy because if you'll do the right thing for the right reason god will reward you now one of the reasons why for instance we are Methodists is because John Wesley, our founder, had a very methodical way about thinking about life 
and how to do the right things for the right reasons. He called this, in fact, the means of grace. The means of grace. And what he meant by that is that we want to, uh, we want to grow in God's grace. And grace is not something we earn. It's not something we deserve. It's God's unmerited love and favor, his kindness to us. And if we want to place ourselves just in the ocean of God's grace, then we want to find the tools that we have at our resources that can help us uh, to just dive in and splash around and enjoy it. And so uh, what Jesus says is that there are right things to do in life, right choices to make, right things to be about, and these have to do with the holy habits that God has given us. Now, John Wesley even breaks these up into two kinds of holy habits. And Jesus here today teaches about both of these kinds. The first kind of holy habit that Wesley talked about was to do a work of mercy. To do works of mercy. And the first holy habit he mentions here today is a work of mercy. And what a work of mercy is, is it's the way we love others as much as we love ourselves. And so when we're generous, we're doing a work of mercy. And so he says, whenever you're generous to the needy, and he expects, Jesus expects you and I to find ways to be generous to the needy, he says, when you do that, John Wesley would categorize that, you're loving your neighbor as yourself, you're doing a work of mercy, and that is a work of grace. There is an opportunity for you to be rewarded by God because you're being a servant and a helper to someone in need. But then there are others. The second category are ways that we get to fall in love with God deeper and in deepen our relationship with the Lord in greater ways. And we call those works of piety. Works of piety. And so the works of piety he mentions today, he mentions two of the many, Two, first, he mentions prayer, spending time speaking with your Creator. That's a work of piety that helps us get to know and love God better. The second one of these he talks about is the work of, of, work of piety is fasting. And so we're going to look a little bit at fasting as well as a way to get to know God better. Now, he could include other things. He could, he could have included the work of coming to worship with brothers and sisters. That's, that's a work of piety too. We're all here together seeking to know God's best together better. He could talk about reading and studying your scriptures and, and trying to wrestle with what's the wise thing to do or the right thing to do in this situation. Let me look to what Jesus teaches and, and discover that. That's another work of piety. All these things he could have mentioned, but he mentions these three to kind of give us an overview of what it means to do the right thing for the right reason. And with this, the main thing he does in all three of these things is he warns us, right? He warns us, sometimes we try to do the right thing, but we do it for the wrong reason. And so he wants to make sure he corrects that in us and for us. He says, sometimes we do these things not because we want to be 
rewarded in our relationship with our Creator. Sometimes we do this just to be praised and, and encouraged and, and excited by others. And for all of us, there's often that little hunger in us that longs to be praised. You know, I can think as a you know, young teenager, for instance, right? Um, maybe some of you got to be in the cheerleading crowd and in the top athlete crowd where you were the popular ones on campus. I never quite made it into that group, uh, you know. Um, and so for me, you know, as a young person, you kind of, you want to find a way into that popularity. You want to find a way to be a part of the in-group. How do I get in with the other in-kids or the other in-adults? And this drive that can come to us as a child and as a teenager, it often doesn't go away as we get older. And it continues to be a temptation for many in our world today because now, you know, you, you, know, you might not just work hard to be a, a top-notch athlete at a college or, or to be a singer at, uh, you know, in, you know the, one of the coolest singers in your community, whatever, and find popularity and prestige that way, right? But now it's on social media too. The big thing these days is to get on YouTube and become a social media influencer. And you just want to get more and more followers to your TikTok and more uh, likes on your YouTube and more uh, people following you so that you can turn this into a full-time job as a moneymaker on YouTube or TikTok or Instagram. You know, and then on TikTok, you got these TikTok, um, gosh, what do they call them? Like, like TikTok challenges, right? And they'll say, go on TikTok and do X, Y, or Z. And sometimes they're harmless, you know, like dumping a bucket of ice on your head. I think I did that one. That was one of the early ones on Facebook. But now today, sometimes they, they go from silly to dangerous, you know, and they're like, drink this, you know, drink a bottle of cough syrup or something crazy. And you're like, why would you want to ever do that as a challenge? Well, it's that drive, that hunger to be liked to be loved, to be praised, to be in the in-group, right? Jesus says, you know, even as Christians, uh, sometimes we try to do the right thing for the wrong reason. Sometimes when we give generously, it's not because we want to make a difference, but it's because we want people to notice, oh, wow, that family, they just gave a ton of money to the church or they gave a ton of money for this or for that and and they want their name on this or that and jesus reminds us listen if you're just doing these things even though they're the right things if you're doing them to make a big impression and to be looked at as cool or whatever else then that's the wrong reason to do it he says you're better off. You're better off when you're generous to not let anybody know what you're doing. In fact, don't even let your left hand know what that right hand is doing when it's writing out the check or giving the gift to someone in need. Don't even let them know. But it's those things we do in secret, Jesus says. Those are the things that our Father 
wants to reward you for. If you do it for the popularity, if you do it for the praise, then you're not going to be rewarded. All the reward you'll get is the reward of the praise of the moment. And even that's fleeting. It doesn't stay. You know, some of us maybe have had the privilege to to be a person with a a lot of popularity or a lot of power or privilege. Um, But if we've been there, we know that once you've made it, it's like, what do I do now? It doesn't satisfy. There's an emptiness to seeking praise only as our significance. We need a better and a deeper reward. And so Jesus challenges us that today, that if you want the better reward, look for the secret places to do good. And so one is giving, giving to those in need. And so Jesus challenges us. There are going to be times where you can give to those in need. And in fact, this morning, some of you, you bring gifts to our communion rail for communion. And those are gifts that we try to help people who are in need. Um, But there are going to be those opportunities. And Jesus says, find ways to be generous when people need help. And it's not always an easy thing, is it? Even, I was reading a couple of weeks ago, Some of the ancient church fathers in like 300 AD, they're talking about, now when you give to someone in need, you know, you kind of got to watch out because you know sometimes that money is going to go to addictions or to destructive habits or to things that aren't really going to help this person at all. And so they were wrestling with the same things we wrestle with today. How do we help someone in need? Help them live a healthier life or a better life. And so in that wrestling, Jesus does encourage us, give to the needy, but do it in secret, not when anyone is watching. Because then your Father who sees in secret, He will reward you. And then He goes on and says, when you pray, when you pray again, you can pray out in public, you can say all kinds of prayers to encourage praise from other people but again he says those aren't the prayers that are going to be heard those aren't the prayers that are going to really matter the prayers that are going to really matter are the prayers you make in your closet prayers you make behind closed doors it's in those places where you seek the lord that your heavenly father will see what you do in secret and will reward you we'll talk more about that reward probably next week. We'll look at prayer much deeper than we can this week. But in this area, I see um, that temptation, even as a pastor, you know, as, a, as someone in the ministry, you know, I would love to be that rock star preacher, right? That preacher that just fills stadiums and everybody wants to come listen and all those kind of things. You know, that's part of the dream. We want to reach more people. We want to influence more people for Christ. We want to let God through us do great things. And uh, the Lord, for whatever reason, he, he hadn't always, that's not always been part of what I've been up to. But we keep doing the best we can for God's glory. And, uh, and I think that's okay. 
This last week, one of the things I've been watching on Hulu is The Secrets of Hillsong. You know the Hillsong Church and movement? Hillsong is a, a big church out of Australia. And the first time I heard a Hillsong was in the mid-90s. In the 90s, there was this uh, female worship leader named Darlene Check. And she sang a, call, a, she sang a worship song called Shout to the Lord. Anybody know the song, Shout to the Lord? It came out of Hillsong. And about, you know, probably about a thousand great worship contemporary praise songs have come out of Hillsong. But as Hillsong has grown bigger and bigger and bigger, um, there was a core to it that no one saw that wasn't healthy. There was a core to it that, that was not good. And in the last four or five years, Hillsong, sort of their underbelly, the unhealthiness that was underneath has started to show up. Um, and as I saw that documentary, I relate that to what Jesus is talking about here. I mean, Hillsong has been rock star preachers and rock star teachers and rock star worship and rock star uh, latest music. And I love their music. I love a lot of what they've done. But yet, at some point, I think their desire to share Jesus also got mixed up with the desire to see the praise of people and to have more influence and more power and more, just more, more, right? And sometimes that hunger and that desire can be very destructive. And I think it has been some for them. Uh, Origen, one of the ancient church fathers, 200 AD, talks about this in these ways. He says, just as water always conflicts with fire, and fire with water, such things can never dwell together simultaneously. So in the same way, egotism and virtue, they're opposed to each other and never can coexist in one and the same soul. And therefore the ego has to be expelled from our souls and we must instead abide in Jesus Christ's commandments. What Origen saw is this same thing. We wrestle with who we are. We wrestle with ourselves. We wrestle with our popularity. We wrestle with the praise. We wrestle with that ego with a capital E. And ego can't exist while righteousness and virtue, one has to go for the other to thrive. And so as the hymn goes once again, take time, brothers and sisters, to be holy. Because if you do the right thing in the right way, our Father will reward you. The last area that he'll reward us in is in the area of fasting. Now, I know fasting is not something talked about or preached about a lot in church, but there is a, a good opportunity for many of us to add fasting to our life spiritual habits. I've tried to do so more and more the older I get. And when we talk about fasting, a couple of things. If you have health issues, 
you do need to consult with your doctor if you're considering fasting, either short or long, right? They're, like my daughters have type 1 diabetes. They, I don't know that they can fast in the way other people fast because of their diabetes. But fasting, if your health is pretty good, can be a healthy spiritual exercise. And in Scripture, we see fasting done in several different situations. The first situation that can be a good opportunity to choose to do a fast may be in preparing for something new in your life, in your family. Maybe, uh, maybe you're shifting from work to retirement and you're trying to figure out what am I going to invest my life in retirement. Uh, maybe you're changing jobs. Those can be good opportunities consider fasting as a way to seek out God's best in those situations. Jesus, we know, right, did that at the very start of his ministry. To prepare for his three years of ministry, he was led out to the desert, and in the desert, he fasted 40 days and 40 nights. And in that fasting, he was strengthened and guided and given everything he needed for the next three-year journey. And so for us, there is a similar dynamic, though there aren't many of you who I would encourage to do a 40-day prayer fast. Uh, that can be done. I know of spiritual leaders that have done that, uh, but they, again, they, they know how they're going about it in a way that will be healthy for them. But for us, it can be a way to prepare for something new or different that's important to us. A second thing that fasting can be helpful for is that fasting can be helpful if we are in a crisis moment. Oftentimes in the Old Testament, if God's people faced some kind of crisis, maybe an enemy army was knocking down their door, maybe when the fields had been all eaten with locusts and they didn't have hardly any food coming in at harvest, in those crisis moments, they would fast and pray. As I look back on the COVID epidemic, I didn't do this. Looking back, I wish I probably had it, maybe. Maybe it would have helped uh, both this church and other churches, my previous church, better. But in the COVID pandemic, right when it started, uh, you know, looking back, it probably would have been good for me to encourage God's people, say, hey, y'all, let's take a bit of time in this season where we're scared to death, we're not sure what this virus is going to do. Let's take some time to fast and pray and ask God to be with us through this difficult season. Fasting is an opportunity to help us through our greatest life challenges. And then a third thing with fasting that, that we, I've also seen from our, our Methodist founder, John Wesley, who lived 300 years ago, in his Christian movement ministry, he had a habit, a regular practice of regular fasting. John Wesley would take two days a week. And on those two days, I think it was Wednesday and Friday, though don't quote me on that. But on those two days a week, when he would wake up in the morning, he would not eat anything. He would skip breakfast and skip lunch until 3 p.m. And then at 3 p.m., he would break his fast. And he did that most of his adult life. Fasting became a regular practice for him two days a week till 3 p.m. on those two days. 
that is also, I think, an appropriate way to fast. Now, I've also seen other people who will take this too far. It's like whenever I talk to them they'll, uh, and we'll be sitting down to a meal, they'll say, oh, I'm fasting today. And it seems like they'll be doing that on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. And brothers and sisters, that is not what God wants. That's destroying your body, right? You want to be able to use fasting as a tool that helps you connect with God better. And so Jesus says here, when you fast, fasting should be part of your spiritual life. It's a right thing to do, but when you do it, don't, oh, I'm so hungry. You know, don't go around and boast about, oh, I haven't eaten in two days. I'm just having water and a little bit of vegetable broth. You know, Jesus said, no, don't do that. Just wash your face and act like everything's normal. Because when you do what you do in secret, that's where God will reward you. And so in all these things, these are practices Jesus challenges us with and says, these are the right things to do, but make sure you do them with the right reason. Learn how to do them in secret. When you do them in secret, I will bless you with the rest. And that brings us to the last piece. How does God reward us? How does God reward us? Brothers and sisters, I think the greatest blessing when we do the right things for the right reason, when we take time to be holy, in those moments, God rewards us most of all with just a deepening sense of his presence. I'm with you. I love you. You're good enough. You don't have to impress people. You don't have to show off. I'm all you need. That's the greatest reward we can have because it's God's presence in our lives. It's our personal relationship with Jesus that can deepen our spiritual roots, give us stronger anchors so that when the storms of life blow our way, we have that anchor that in the midst of this chaos, I know God's presence is still near. That is the greatest reward God can ever give any of us. And so I don't think he's necessarily talking about here the prosperity gospel, right? He's not talking about you do these things and I'll give you tons of money or tons of prosperity. I, I don't think it's any of that. But I think the greatest reward is the reward of his Holy Spirit, the reward of his presence in our lives that gives us an anchor in the storms. But there's also a heavenly reward I believe he's talking about that too. That in our lives, what we do, when we do the right things here and now, we're paying it forward because there are spiritual riches that we don't yet see. There is a spiritual treasure that we have not yet inherited. There are things that are going on that when we cross over Jordan and get to the other side, we will be amazed at how many spiritual resources the Lord has blessed with us. And those things, we, we kind of pay it forward by being faithful, doing the right things for the right reason here and now. Doing the right things by being generous to the needy. To be generous to the needy, y'all, that's a, please also understand, that's a whole different thing than giving your tithe. Your tithe goes to, 
blessing the church's work and ministry in our community and in our world. But, but giving of alms, it's an extra, kind of an extra mile kind of giving. But he says, do it in secret, and your Father rewards you. Pray, the Father will reward you. Fast, the Father will reward you. So, brothers and sisters, this morning, I want to encourage you. Now, some of you would probably say, well, Chris, yeah, when I was younger, I was tempted to be popular and to seek praise and all that, but I'm older now. The only popularity contest I want to win is I want my grandkids or my great-grandkids to come over and sit on my lap and spend some time. If I can be that popular, I'm good. Well, if that's you, awesome. That's no problem at all. But even for each of us, there is an opportunity to still do the right thing for the right reasons. Find ways to be generous to those who need it. Find ways to worship God. Find ways to pray. Find ways, even in moments, to fast. Because we've only got 5, 10, 20, 40 years left on this planet. And I don't know about you, but I want to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. I want to, I want to look forward to some rewards, both of God's presence right here, right now, but also of some promises in eternity. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Now, one of, the, one of the places where we are rewarded as God's people, uh, one of the places that he's called us to be a part of is this communion table, right? This is a place of Jesus' rich reward. It's, one, it's another one of those uh, works of piety. And we don't, you know, it's, we come down here together. We, don't, we can't hide in the closet a bit. But at this altar, this is a place where we do have an opportunity to encounter the living God and be rewarded. Because we don't come down to this table because we're popular, right? We don't come down to this table because of we want people's praise. We come to this table because we need spiritual nourishment. We come to this table because we long for something more, an encounter with the living God that's deeper and wider and richer. And so we come together today at the table to be nourished in our relationship with the Lord Jesus and to celebrate all he has done for us and to know that if we will keep trying to follow him, he has a reward for us here. So if you'll join with me, turn to page 9 in your hymnal. We're going to celebrate the great Thanksgiving together today. Here's what it says. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. It is right. It's a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. You formed us in your image. You breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, 
Your love, O God, remains steadfast. You delivered us from captivity. You made covenant to be our sovereign king. You spoke to us through your prophets who looked for that day when justice shall roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream, when nation and people will not lift up sword against nation, and neither shall they learn war anymore. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join in their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. So holy are you and blessed is your son, Jesus the Messiah. Your spirit anointed Jesus to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to announce that the time had come when you would save your people. So he healed the sick and fed the hungry and ate with sinners. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church. You delivered us from slavery to sin and death. You made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. And at his ascension, you exalted Jesus to let him sit and reign with you, O God, at your right hand. And so, on the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, he gave thanks, and he broke it. He said, this is my body. I give it for you. Take eat and remember me and then that same evening he took the cup the cup of Passover and raised it up and said this is my blood it's blood of the new covenant and it's spilled for you and for many for the forgiveness of your sins drink from this all of you in remembrance of me And so, Lord Jesus, today we remember these mighty acts in Jesus Christ. We offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. So, Father, pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Jesus, the Messiah, that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory. We feast together at his heavenly banquet your son Jesus Christ with the Holy Spirit in your holy church all honor and glory is yours Father Almighty now and forever Amen as we come to communion today um, I'd like to ask my helpers to come forward um, and Joel Yoder would you come help me too sir um, as we prepare for communion if you're not a 